Thanks, friends, for listening to Nonprofit Lowdown. If you like Nonprofit Lowdown, you will love my free weekly newsletter with resources, fundraising inspiration, and cute dog photos. Did I mention the cute dog photos? Sign up at RiaWong.com. That's R-H-E-A-W-O-N-G.com. host, Rhea Wong. Hey, podcast listeners. Rhea Wong with you once again with Nonprofit Lowdown. Today, my guest is Adora Drake, who is the founder of High Spirits Marketing. She is a digital marketing consultant. And today we're going to talk about, I've got an email list. Now what? So Adora's going to talk to us all about how we use marketing for our fundraising efforts. Welcome, Adora. Hello. So happy to be here. So good to have you. So before we jump into it, tell us a little bit about yourself and High Spirits Marketing. Yeah, so I started in corporate marketing and eventually at some point after a layoff, my friend had suggested me help her grow her business. And so eventually I started doing things on the side. After the layoff, I had to kind of survive. And so I went into full-time entrepreneur mode. And eventually I got a call from a large nonprofit there in Boston and they were like, Hey, Adora, we have no idea how to figure out how to use our email list, how to market to our donors, how to get volunteers interested. And I said, Hey, okay, I'm going to jump on board with you guys and help you guys out. And so once I got done with that project, I fell in love with nonprofits. And so from there, I started working with a lot of different nonprofits, different sizes. And I just love working on the different missions, helping them really find their target And then ultimately, like you said, helping them use that email list to continue to nurture their audience. All right. So we're going to jump right into it because I know this is the juicy stuff. So a lot of nonprofits have an email list, but they don't really know what to do with it. And I think a lot of them think that they can jump right into asking for donations. So let's back it all the way up. Let's say I'm a nonprofit. I've collected a bunch of emails either through my website or volunteers or donors or what have you. What do I do with it? Such a good question. And you're so right. A lot of people just kind of just go straight for the, hey, donate now. And that's not what you want to do. You really want to make it conversational. You want people to be really interested and really comfortable with your mission. And so it's important to nurture your audience. And so one of the ways that you can do this, which there's many ways, is to have a newsletter. Talk about some of the things you guys are doing. Talk about some of the changes that you guys are making. Who are you guys influencing? Who are you helping? You really wanna make for sure that they have a good understanding of, if I donate to this organization, Where is it going? Is it actually helping people? Is it something that I really want to be a part of? And make them feel like they're connected with your brand. And that that is the most important key is having that person feel relatable to your brand because they'll stay and they'll keep donating, wanting to volunteer or whatever your CTA is. Is there a ratio that you have in mind as far as, let's call it human interest newsletters versus actual asks? Because I feel like where I've seen a lot of nonprofits make mistakes is that their communications that go out are basically all asks. Yeah. Eventually, (laughs) nobody wants to read that. So tell me a little bit about what that ratio is. So the ratio looks like 80-20. You want to make for sure that you are 80% giving out the news, giving out content that is 
helpful people can learn from people can really establish what it is that you guys are doing show some testimonials show some pictures of you out there on the ground so let's say you help homeless people show some pictures of you guys out there actually handing out food or really connecting with people or show us some past testimonials of people who you've helped get jobs or whatever whatever you want to do but you just want to make for sure that they can actually connect and see like okay they're actually doing the business they're out there on the ground doing the work they're not just asking for donations and we don't know where it's going and then that 20 percent is like you said you can start asking them but they'll be comfortable because they know that you guys are serious and they know that you guys are really helping and putting your mission out there one thing that I really want to highlight here, Adora, which I didn't really understand when I was running a nonprofit is that an email address is one of the most intimate things a person can give you because at so the end of the day, our inboxes are kind of yes. sacred. And so if someone's giving you an email address, you mm -hmm. kind of owe it to them to produce content that is going yes. to be worth their time. That's so true because there's so much content out there now and there's so many people asking for things and everybody wants your email. So when you give your email, it's just like you said, it's intimate to me. I, I must be really serious about what you have to offer. And so I'm going to give you my email because I want to know more. Like, how do I get involved? What does it mean? What's your mission about? What does it mean to be a part of that mission? And I want to be a part of change with you. I want to feel like I'm contributing to that mission. And so it's important for you to give that content as you build a relationship with those prospects. Let's talk about segmentation for a second, because yeah. obviously you have lots of different folks coming in from different directions. Like you mm -hmm. might have some folks who volunteered, you might have some folks who were donors, you might have some yes. folks who came to an event, you might have mm -hmm. people who found you on social media. How do you figure out what kind of information different people want? Because like not everyone's going to want the same kind of information. Is that right? Exactly, exactly. So a volunteer most likely wouldn't need the same content that someone that you're trying to get a donation from. And so it is important that you understand what is it that they're looking for? Why did they volunteer? What is their background? What is it that they really want from the volunteering situation? And then you want to kind of create content around that. So it's important that you understand what your target is looking for. What are they wanting in their experience? And then go from there as far as creating content. So it could be video. It could be getting on there and doing some kind of contest for just volunteers. Something that's going to be, and make them excited to volunteer. Hey, I'm a part of this. I was out there on the ground. I was handing out bags. Show them on, the, on social media, taking pictures out there, you know, with your logo and things like that getting in the media, sharing it on blogs and things like that. Those are the ways that you guys want to really kind of curate good content that's going to be quality that you can share along with the email list because other volunteers will look or other donors will look and they'll say, okay, well, that's what's going on. And this is how I want to be involved. So it is important that you segment the list so that each content goes to these different types of channels. And if you have a list from say an event and you have another event coming up making for sure that you are consistent with your content for the next event so don't just drop off because i see a lot of nonprofits do that like this they, they had this event on friday and then they, you never hear from them ever again after you give them your email and so it's important that you continue to build that relationship in between the gap too with that content so that they know okay well the next event is this i can invite my friends just in case they want to volunteer and so Keeping the consistency is important as well as the segmentation. So let's like talk tactically about that. I mean, would you recommend that people like have some kind of checkbox on their intake form? Like how do we know what kind of content people are going to be interested in? That's a really good idea. Usually you can find that out if the event is for it. We'll use homeless event. Let's say you had a homeless event and you were feeding the needy. I think it's going to be really easy for you to understand that, okay, well, volunteers are probably most likely interested in helping the homeless in any kind of capacity. So you'll know that maybe your content should be around 
feeding or helping or leaning into helping their community. So those are the type of topics that you kind of want to brainstorm with your team versus if it's something like technology or something that you guys are doing or changing the earth or environment or something like that, then you want to stick with content that's around, like me and Rhea were talking about with the earth how it's changing and the environment is changing and we're getting all these different types of weather environments. Well, you can bring that up in your content. These are good topics that people will want to talk about how we're getting all these hurricanes and we're getting all of these different people are displaced out of their cities because of the earth is changing. And you can use that content to talk to the specific audience. So it's important to understand why did they get on the list? Usually they join the list for some reason, whether it's an event or whether it was a PDF that you sent or whether it was some type of video where they actually showed or whatever that you guys presenting to them. That's the reason that you want to start with. Eventually, if that person does want to come to an event and it's about something different, then you can have them on two different lists. It's okay to have one email on two different lists. You just want to make sure that you have their permission to do so. Yeah, let's talk about permission marketing for a second because- Yeah, that's really important. (laughs) Yeah, because I think many of us have ended up on random spam lists and I'm like, I never signed up for this thing. And so we definitely want to make sure to have permission to add people on the list. So let me ask you this. It sounds like- it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's not, it's not that bad. <laughs> well, I would say for the average nonprofit, like most probably don't have a marketing department or a communications yeah, department. Of course. So yeah. I'm just wondering what is a doable amount of content that you're creating? Would you say a monthly newsletter, a weekly newsletter? How often are we posting on social media? I'm just trying to get an idea of how much effort are you talking about relative to the amount of content we're pushing out? Yeah, you definitely want to be on there consistently. So you want to be on there. I would never skip a week. Definitely want to at least start weekly. And I want you guys to think about it this way. Like, this is not something that you guys have to be glued to social media. You have to be glued to your email list. Like, you can sit, create the content, and then just schedule the content out. So you can actually automate a lot of these things if you guys don't have a big team. And so that's something that I also teach my nonprofit clients. Like, how do you guys automate things? How do you guys get the content going so that you don't necessarily always have to be there at that time? And then you just, all you have to do is just go in for 15 to 30 minutes and just engage with people. And so people think it's really complicated because you have to have all this content, but no, you just sit down for a couple of hours, get your ideas and get your thoughts together, plan that content. It should take no more than two hours. And then you just schedule it inside of your automation tools. And a lot of that can go out automatically. So you don't actually have to be there when scheduling that content. And that works with your email list too, because there's a lot of different, especially on the different platforms. Now you can actually automate your emails and schedule them. Got it. So let's talk about social media for a second. Again, I just try to dispel this myth so much with nonprofits that having a social media presence doesn't mean that you're constantly asking people for donations. Right. So what is the role of social media and how does that relate to our email list? Yeah. So the role of social media, which is a very important role, it's made to bring awareness to your calls. People want to know who you guys are, who do you serve, what do you guys do for your community or, or whatever the purpose of your organization is it's mainly there to show people what it is that who you guys are and what you guys do and so you guys should use it as a tool to really interact with people get people interested get people kind of curious on okay well what do they do here let me keep following them and see what they're going to do next week or, or the week after so it's really to build that engagement and to build awareness now how do you 
get them from there into the email list. There's a lot of ways that you can do this, okay? And it doesn't have to be like, hey, donate here. <laughs> the way you want to do this is by giving quality information to them in exchange for an email. This can be an event, a live event, or this could be a Zoom like we're doing here. This could be a PDF or some kind of information that'll give them more details on how they can help, or it can be some kind of historical PDF, or just give them really good information about what you guys do and how they can help. And now you have their email in their email list. And so these are the ways that you want to consistently, though, get people from social media now that they're following you and they're interested and they're, they're commenting on your post. Tell them, hey, I've got a nice event for you guys to learn more about how to change XYZ. Now they're on that PDF, they've got that PDF, and now they're on your email list. You can nurture them from there. So like you said, it's not about just asking for donations all the time. It's really to build awareness, get people excited, and then wanting to follow you, wanting to learn more. And it does take some time, but they'll want to get on that email list and see, okay, well, how can I get involved or what can I do or can I sign up for this and what's the timeline for this? Yeah, so a couple of things you said that I want to make sure that we hold up here, which is that... You said engagement. We didn't really talk about this, but I think it's really important to note that if people are engaging with you on social media or are engaging you, with you through a newsletter, that you actually start the conversation. That it's yeah. not just like they comment and like you never right. hear from them right. or like you, you don't respond. Exactly, exactly. And, and people the, do make that mistake. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the second thing I just really want to be clear about is like, is it correct that you should always try as much as you can to move your social media followers into your email list? Oh yeah, that is actually number one. So it's there to build the awareness, right? And it's there to get you in front of the right people, but it's always going to be your job to get in there, get to know them, answer their questions, and then provide them the opportunity to come in and be a part of the organization with that email list. And so that's something that you should consistently think about. It doesn't have to be on every single post, but if you're going to post three times a week, put it on at least one post so that they know where to go and how they can help and be a part of the organization. Because that's the main purpose of you being out there anyways, to get people interested and get them, like we said, engaged. So go out there, follow people that you know would be interested in your organization. So you're actively going on there, finding new followers. They're discovering you. You guys are having a conversation. And next thing you know, you build an actual relationship and not just a social media relationship and you can convert them off the platform. Yeah, and I think that's really important too because your email list is something you own. And ultimately right. social media, Facebook, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram is owned by those companies. So right. you really right. want to build your base of an email list. Exactly, exactly. But those are your private fans. Right. So like you said, if social media, we know that's not going to disappear, but just to say it did, you can never post at the same time that they're going to be there all the time. And so yeah. with your email list, you have a better chance of catching them. You have a better chance of engaging them and you have a much better chance of converting them. Adora, do you have a view about using a paid ad strategy in order to build an email list? What would your opinion be on that? I am not against paid ads. Typically, most people start organically so that they understand what their audience is looking for. But once you have that data, it's really not going to hurt you, though, to, to run a few paid ads because now you have that PDF or whatever your opt-in was. You saw it already work because you've done it organically and you have an idea of who your target is. And that's mainly what paid ads is about. It's just understanding where to find your audience because you're going to have to pay for it. And so once you already have that data, you can go ahead and pay for it and find more people like that. So there are a lot of retargeting ads and things like that you can run and get people on the list even faster. So I would start organically if you don't have the data. 
but if you already have the data, you already understand who your target is, where they hang out and things like that, ages and interests and all of those demographics that are going to make a difference, then it won't hurt you to run a couple of ads because you know that those ads will target the right people. You've already seen from your experience that they're going to want to join the list. And so it's all about having the analytics there behind you though, to back it up. So that way you won't just be throwing money away. So I wouldn't get on there if I'm brand new and I don't have any information yet. I would organically try to get people on there, then I can say, oh, okay, well, my audience looks like this. And so then I can get on Facebook ads or I can get on Instagram ads and find more lookalike audience. Yeah, that's really helpful. So let's talk about communication overall. So in the world of constrained resources and not having department, right? if I'm going to be concentrating on any one thing, what should that thing be? Should I be focusing on my email newsletters? Should I be focusing on any one social media platform? Like, should I be thinking about video? Should I be thinking about doing a podcast? Because everyone's out here trying to be podcasting all of a sudden. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> what do I do, Adora? There are so many things I could do. There are so many things you can do. And you know what? There's no one answer, unfortunately. But what I do tell people is when it comes to social media, start with one platform that you know your target audience is going to be. Then over time, you can build to different other platforms. Okay, so get to know one platform really well. And then from there, you can grow from there. But as far as like the types of content, I would test first. I would see, does my audience like video better or do they like me writing a long form caption or something like that? So test it out. And then just do more of what works for your audience. That way you won't be bombarded trying to do all these different things. Because if you're everywhere doing all these different things, you won't know, you won't have good data. So it's, it's just important to test first and kind of see what your audience likes, what makes them click, what makes them ask more questions, and then what makes them get on that list a little bit more. And then use more of that. Just do keep doing more of that. It's not that complicated as people would think it is. <laughs> you just want to do what works for your audience because that's where they're going to be. Meet them halfway and they'll keep wanting to come back. And can you speak a little bit to the role of doing focus groups or surveying your audience? Because I feel like in the nonprofit yeah. world, we don't do that enough. Whereas yeah. in the for-profit world, like I can't buy something online without a survey coming up in right. my face about my experience. <laughs> I usually, nine times out of 10, will just like delete and right. out. <laughs> but I appreciate that they're trying to ask. So, ask right. so talk to me about the role of using surveys in nonprofit communication. Yeah, so surveys, we know what they are. They're used to really understand our audience and understand where they are, what they liked or didn't like, or what can we change. And so just like for-profit organizations, nonprofit organizations can use them to engage and see, can we better serve our community? Can we better make volunteering experiences easier for people to sign up or easier for people to come to our events? Or what can we change at our events? So these are just opportunities for you to do your own market research, or we call it in the marketing world, just see what people are looking for, what they like or don't like, and kind of make these small changes within your organization that are going to be helpful for you so that you can actually start getting more people into your pipeline, getting more people interested into that organization. And so that's what's important about having those surveys is that you can use it. It's just more data for you to go off of and make better changes. Let me ask you this, and then we're going to open up for questions, but I think sometimes there might be a disconnect between the people who are engaging with us online and on our newsletter. 
Yeah. And the kind of donor that we might want. So like, mm-hmm. I'll just come up with an example. A lot of times, as you know, I work with fundraising folks and they have this idea in their mind of like, oh, I want the older, moneyed, wealthy person <laughs> who can write a six-figure check. Like, okay, right. that's fine. Right. But that's not necessarily who is engaging with you on social media or engaging with you on right. your email list. So I'm curious, like, how do you address that? Like, do you change your marketing message to appeal to those kind of donors? Or do you change your focus on trying to create content for the donors that you have? It's going to be both. I'm going to say both because if you're trying to attract a certain audience and you're noticing that they're not coming into your pipeline, other people are, then something's wrong with the messaging. So that's the first problem that you're going to have to figure that out. Like, why am I not attracting these people? What exactly are they going to be looking for? Why haven't they written these type of checks? And so it is going to boil down to your messaging and you're going to have to hone in on that because if it's not attracting the right people, then that's the first problem. Second thing from that is once you have that messaging going, you do want to curate content that is going to speak specifically to those six-figure check writers so that you can bring those people in. I'm going to say there's no way that with the wrong messaging and a wrong targeting that you're going to get those people in. It's just no way to connect to them. So the whole thing, the whole point of making content is to connect with people who you want to draw in and bring in, like you said, those funds and, and have people want to volunteer and have people want to be a part of it. And so you have to speak to them. You have to make for sure that they understand if they do write you a six-figure check, where is it going? Who is it helping? And that all comes down to having the right messaging and the right content. All right, last question before we jump to Sarah, because she has some really good questions here. I know that a lot of people get stressed out about the idea of emailing their list too often, and they stress (laughs) out about people who unsubscribe. So talk to me a little bit about frequency and like, should we be stressed out when people unsubscribe from our list? No, you should actually be excited because those are not the people who are going to donate anyway. They're not going to want to follow the brand. And so it's just better to get the dead weight. I hate to say it that way, but to get, to get the dead weight off the list, I'd rather have a really small, engaged group of people who I know are going to be there. They're going to show up. They're going to want to be a part of the mission. Then to have a bunch of people, you know, on your list and they're just taking up space. They're never going to really make it take an action or anything like that. So if people are unsubscribing, they're not your target. They don't need to be there. And it's no need to be upset about that. Now, when it comes to consistency, you have to be consistent, though. You have to at least put out something once a week. You need to make for sure that your audience knows that you're there and you're actively doing things. You're not missing. And so it is important that you have a certain level of consistency. Don't worry about the unsubscribes. Like I said, people who are serious about following your mission, they're not going to unsubscribe. Even if they don't read a particular email that week, they're still going to be there. And so you just want to make for sure that you are consistent and you are showing good content every week. And you know, Adora, as you're talking, one thing I wanted to share that like Someone said it to me and I was like, oh yeah, duh. (laughs) All of us spend so much time and energy worrying about the content of the email, but we don't spend the same amount of time worrying about the subject line. Right. (laughs) Focus on the subject line because if your subject line sucks, no one's even going to get your content. (laughs) Right, exactly. So it all ties together. Like you need to make for sure that it pops and then it makes sense and it's going to peak interest immediately and then you'll have those higher open rates. So you're not seeing good open race it is probably because of the subject line i know it's pretty sector specific or industry specific but what would be a good open rate the best open rates i would say are at least 40 percent 40 percent wow yes 
Yes. <laughs> anything okay. under that, anything like 30%, that's okay. But anything under that is not very good. And click-through rates, you want to make for sure they're at least 20%. People are actually clicking and wanting to go to your CTA or whatever that is. So you do want to make for sure that your open rates are at least 40%. If they're not, there's no lower than 30%. That's just an okay rate. But the average, I think, is like 35 or something like that across the so board. So. Adora, let me ask you this. I'm actually thinking about my email list right now. So if I'm under <laughs> 30%, okay. is it indicative of the fact that I have sucky emails or is it indicative of the fact that I'm carrying a lot of dead weight that I need to get rid of? Probably the second one. And then like, how consistent are you with your email list too? Like as far as emailing, mm-hmm. some of them might be cold is what I'm saying. So oh, there's no. I'm, I'm on the, I'm that, on that weekly train girl. Okay. <laughs> so that's another issue. Like if you disappear, let's say you disappear for like three weeks and then all of a sudden you send an email, you probably won't get a 40% because you've been missing. And so that's why I'm stressing to keep the consistency up so you can see higher numbers. And then, like you said, the second piece is like you might have a little bit of that dead weight on there because they're cold. Yeah. And so the one way that I like waking up my list and kind of seeing, do I need to knock these people off? is just send a quick email saying, hey, you're still there or hey, would you like to check this out? And those are specifically for the people that you know haven't opened anything. So that's a little bit of that segmentation we were talking about. That's just a trick that I like to do. I like it. I like it. Okay, we're going <laughs> to jump into some questions because there's some good ones coming in. Sarah, do you want to ask? And then we'll try to get to your second question. But your first one's really good. Thanks, Rhea and Adora. This is a great conversation. I think my question really goes to something that Rhea raised earlier about the tactics to get to know your audience. Yeah. I've heard people talk about building audience personas. So I can have Sarah, who's a donor, who comes to my website (laughs) for this information. Right. And I'm a solo team of one. And so I wonder whether it's worthwhile getting into that granular level of information. So I guess a two-part question. One is, is it worthwhile doing that grounding perhaps once a year to think about who our audience are and some other suggestions you might have around getting to know our audience? Gotcha. Thanks for asking the question, Sarah. I would say if you're a solo person, I wouldn't worry about doing all those different segmentations. You just want to make for sure that A, your messaging is right. So whoever you're trying to target is that one persona. And so I only worry about one persona for one reason. You want to make for sure that whoever that persona is, that you get more of those type of people and they'll want to keep on coming into your email list and they want to keep following you. And so don't worry about different people coming from the website and this and that because it's that one persona. So let's say, for instance, that you know a homeless shelter and you want to reach people who are local activists in that neighborhood. Only focus on that one persona. So what would that local activist look like? What is that person's age? What are the demographics? Why would they want to be engaged? Then you want to make content around that one persona. So it doesn't matter if they find you on your website or on your social media. It's still that one persona. And you can use that data and information even when you run ads to find that one persona. And I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I, I just want to jump on that train because the saying is- You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> the riches are in the niches, right? I think so often in the nonprofit world, we're so freaked out about one persona because we're like, but mm-hmm. I want everybody to donate. Yeah. If, everybody, <laughs> if you're for everybody, then you're for nobody. And so, literally, yeah, yeah. literally, yeah. yeah. And so, so if Sarah, I, if, using that same example, if I saw Sarah's ad and she was targeting an activist in the community, and I know I'm an activist, I'm going to want to see what Sarah's talking about. But if I'm not an activist, I'm not going to want to see. And then Sarah doesn't have to worry about having that dead weight down the line on her email list because yeah. she's already targeting that specific person. Yeah. Well, and I, I would also say too that, like, as you think about the 
people on your email list. Mm -hmm. Also think about who your ideal donor is. And yeah. one way that I recommend getting into that is actually interview the donors that you have. Like if you yeah. have a couple of donors yeah. that are really your ideal donor, mm -hmm. take some time, ask exactly. them some questions, interview them and Again, see that's that market resonates. research. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that market research we were talking about. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I like to say, if you're for everybody, then you're for nobody. You're literally for nobody. <laughs> right. Nobody's going to listen. Nobody's going to really be, nobody likes anything general though. We like to be catered to. We like to be, yep. oh, okay. They understand me where I'm at and they speak to me. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yep. I, well, Sarah, you have another question. Do you want to jump in here? For, this is actually a really good question too. <laughs> oh, so this one is definitely from experience. We had a partner who was in a completely different industry to us who ran like a sweepstakes competition. And oh, so I was able, people as they were donating were able to tick the box to say, yes, I consent to hearing from you. But really the relationship sits with they were very much the audience of our partner. And so I did like a general kind of welcome email, but I've noticed looking at my unsubscribes, it's a lot of people who came in through that one engagement that are unsubscribing at relatively high rates. So just interested in your thoughts about welcome emails or do we keep that segment separate and never actually fully integrate it into our list? Yeah, tips and tricks for when you do get someone else's audience who is engaging in your newsletter how do we treat them and make them feel welcome and actually get them to care about the cause? Yeah, so you definitely want to have that welcome. I think you did a great job with that welcome email. One question I do have for you, Sarah, is when you got that audience from a partner, were you guys both kind of talking about the same mission or kind of what that relationship was? What was their interest level? I guess that's what I'm trying to figure out. Well, the partner's very much in the travel and media interest industry. So mm -hmm completely separate from our mission and the sweepstakes was in line the mm -hmm. prize that they were bidding for was in the travel industry so gotcha. even though the all of the website and the engagement was about the cause I feel like there was a bit of a disconnect between how the audience came to participate in the opportunity and who yeah. they are. Yeah, and I think that's, that's probably your main reason Sarah they're dropping off is because they weren't necessarily your people your idea of persona again and so you know, I wouldn't take it too personally because it wasn't that <laughs> now let's say you partner with someone there they have a similar mission to yours and then you got audience members from there definitely send that welcome email and give them more information around that so it is important that if you do partner with people in the future that you make for sure that their their audience and your audience aligns or it won't be very beneficial to you and that's in any business <laughs> Adora, what are your thoughts about email sequences as like an onboarding tool? Oh, I love those. If you do them well, <laughs> if you do them well, I totally think they're super helpful and they're time saving. Again, it's just to help people get that introduction into what you guys do, talk about how you guys started, why you started, and then just kind of walk them through the process of some of the things that you, your mission that you guys want to do in the future and who you guys help. So it's just a good way to get people introduced into who you are. And so it's just another way of doing that, especially if they're, they're coming from someone else's audience like Sarah's was. Perfect way to, to, to just get people introduced into your newsletter and things like that. Yeah, and I just wanna double click on automations, you guys. So any email <laughs> provider that you have will usually have a automatic Absolutely. sequencing. Yeah, so yeah. maybe it looks like a series of even Mailchimp guys, even Mailchimp. <laughs> even, I know we were we talking about Mailchimp before. <laughs> Not our favorite, but we're both on it. Well, but, yeah, yeah, but it works. It works though. Start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Adora, I know you have a little goodie for us. Can talk to us about this. I do, I do, guys. So I have created a top five 
emails for nonprofit. You guys can use those five emails or my favorite types of emails that I send out to my list if I want them to take action. And my clients use these too if they want their audience to take action. So I want you guys to go and download those. Those are super helpful when creating different types of content for your audience. So you can find that. I think she's going to put the link down below, but also I'll go ahead and announce it. It's at Adore Drake Marketing slash nonprofit lowdown. So it's Adora Drake Marketing's nonprofit lowdown. She'll put the link down there as well. Yeah, You guys go I, ahead and download that and it's going to be super helpful. Yeah, I will make sure to put it in the show notes for folks who are listening on the podcast. Okay, Perfect. Adora, when this posts, we are going to be probably nearing the end of the year. Yeah. Can you talk to us about how you might design a marketing campaign for an end of year appeal? Yeah, so... All of my end of year type of campaigns are usually to get that excitement for the new year. So we're really going to be focusing on 2022. <laughs> what is our mission for 2022 and what do we want to see? So it's getting that excitement and getting people interested in starting to ramp up and, and, and want to be involved into that campaign. So you can do all types of things. I would start thinking about content around the new year. I would start thinking about events that you guys can start promoting around the new year. And then when it comes to fundraising, the new year is a perfect time to really speak to your audience about some of the goals and things that you want to reach for the new year. And what do you guys plan on doing? So it's, it's really a good time to plan things and then start implementing them in January. So use this time now to really start speaking to people and get people excited. So let me play back what I think I heard because sure. you're thinking about the new year as an exciting opportunity, but for the fundraisers out there, we're thinking about closing out year end, yeah. knowing that most people make their philanthropic gifts at the end right. of the year. So mm -hmm. is your recommendation to use the messaging for the new year coming up to close gifts in the last quarter? Yeah, because, okay, so marketing works a little different, guys. Let me just put that out there. So marketing works when you are building an audience, you are building that excitement, it's for the future. So it's not something that you just want to ask for right now. And so when I say the end of the year to get that excitement going, it's to get that momentum for the next year that's going to come. And so basically, like you said, if you guys are closing and fundraising now, then that excitement would have been all through this year. So it's important that you guys start now for the next year so that you guys have built this around and people are going to want to close out that following year. So when it comes to your marketing, it's not something that you want to do last minute that you're just going to, you know, people are going to want to fundraise at the end of the year. It's something that you want to build ahead of time. And so that's why you hear me saying that build that excitement, build that engagement now for the new year, because that is something that you want to do for the following year. Okay, but Adora, we can't go back in time. So let's say <laughs> it is what it is right now. It is know. what it is. It is what it is. And it's not too late, guys. It's, it's September. It's so September. So you still have gonna... time. Right. You still have a little time to build engagement, build excitement around your fundraiser or around some of the goals that you guys want to reach. You can still speak to them in these next three months. You have time to still build that. But I'm also saying that if you don't reach your fundraising goal, don't beat yourself up because you now you have the information and you know that you need to have this plan ahead of time. You need to start doing this right now so that you have better goals for next year. So it's a long game. It's, it's a long game. Marketing is a long game. I'm sorry. Most gurus will tell you <laughs> otherwise, but it really is a long game. And it's a better game because when you build a brand, guys, people keep coming back anyway. So people are going to be following you and wanting to be a part and wanting to give to you guys. And so long-term is better because you have less people drop off. You'll have these people know that annually that you're going to be looking for this. And so they'll want to be a part of it. 
just keep building it and keep doing it for your long-term strategy. Question for you, as far as annual goal setting in our newsletters, do you mm -hmm. have any sort of rule of thumb about what we should be focused on as far as growing our year-to-year -year growth on our newsletter? As long as it, it depends what size organization too, like whether you're a large size or a small one-person nonprofit. But uh, one of the things I would say, if you're not seeing any growth, meaning that no one's really wanting to be a part of your newsletter, it could be, again, going back to that messaging and the content. So you want to make for sure that you understand why they got on the list and then make for sure that you have the content that aligns with their interest. And so it, that's all it boils down to, guys. It's nothing complicated. You just want to make for sure that you're speaking to that audience consistently. Awesome. Where can we find you online, Adora? Sure. Okay. So you guys, <laughs> I'm on every social media platform, <laughs> but you guys can find me at my website. It's adoradrakemarkney.com and go ahead and download that PDF because I got a special one for you guys. And then you guys can also find me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn with my name, Adora Drake, as well as Instagram. And I also have a YouTube channel, which I'll also give. So you guys can follow me there if you guys want to see some videos. Oh my gosh. You're like a content machine, girl. <laughs> Any, don't give me that much credit. <laughs> any last words of wisdom as we sign off here? Because I'm sitting here thinking, gosh, it sounds like a lot of work. But, but don't I also, feel overwhelmed, guys. It's, yes. not, it's not as overwhelming as it sounds. Like I said, when you're a one-man band, take a couple of hours to create some content that you know you're going to want to post that week. So you can do it on a week-to-week -week basis so you won't get overwhelmed. And then use automations to schedule out that, that content so that you don't always have to be glued to the platform. And so again, and these are things I teach my clients, nonprofit clients come into my programs. Well, and let me follow that up because we didn't really talk about this, but it, obviously it's important is we have to look at the data, right? Like we have to yeah. look at our open rates. We have to look at who Always. people are. We have yeah. to look at who's visiting our website. So if you don't mm -hmm. have Google Analytics on your website, you got to get that. Yeah. Right. How often should we be looking at our numbers? All the time. <laughs> Every time you get a chance, <laughs> because you need to look at this data and understand what you need to change or what's working, what's not working. And so if you are seeing you know that your emails are not being opened. Like you said, it could be something as simple as your subject line, or it could be, I don't know, your messaging. So you want to make sure that you test these things out. Don't get comfortable and just put one thing out, one size fits all. That's not marketing, guys. Again, it's that long-term strategy that we were talking about, because we want to make for sure that every time we put content out, people are going to want to read it. They're going to want to come. They're going to want to volunteer, come to the registration, all of these things. And so it's going to take time for you guys to figure that out. Don't be overwhelmed though. Take it bite by bite. I always tell clients to start with one social media platform. They know they're going to find their ideal person and then just go from there. Get really good at that one thing. We've also covered social media on this podcast as well. And there are lots of other folks out there, but yeah. every social media platform has its own sort of thing. Oh yeah. It's its own ecosystem. <laughs> right. so, so also be sure that you're communicating that way that's appropriate to that platform, because mm -hmm. like the way you talk on LinkedIn is going to be different than the way you talk on Facebook, which is different mm -hmm. than Twitter, which is different than Instagram, which is different than right. YouTube. All the right. social media channels are like blowing my mind. Don't even get me started on TikTok. That's a whole other thing. I can't even get into it. <laughs> You know, I've seen people do really well on TikTok though. It's just a matter of where is my audience? Where are these yep. people that I want to have inside of my organization? And then you have to use that platform to speak to them. So if it is TikTok, I don't know, you may have to dance. You may have to. So. <laughs> uh, for those EDs out there who are worried about dancing, I am with you. <laughs> Ask the kids to help you out there. But Adora, thank you so much. It's been very helpful. And thanks to all of you for joining us.